Hi, this is James Topan. This is Ana Carolina Pereira. Hi, this is Juan Manuel Rodriguez, a.k.a. Juanma. And you're listening to the Bogota Writers Group podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Bogota Writers Group podcast, new short fiction from the capital of Colombia. I'm your host, Delaney Turner. On today's episode, The Chase by Ana Carolina Pereira. Carolina is a founding member of the Bogota Writers Group, She was born in Bogota and has lived in several cities in the U.S. as well as in Mexico City. An avid coffee shop reader of both fiction and nonfiction, she is also a collector of books of the paper and ink variety. Through her stories, Carolina explores realism, realism with fantastic elements, and speculative fiction. And now, The Chase. Dr. Y is the first thing that comes to my mind when the neurologist gives me the death sentence, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. As he explained to me with the somber demeanor of someone who is already giving his condolences, this is a progressive disease of the nervous system that causes mild muscle problems at the onset, then paralysis, and at the end, death due to respiratory failure. I have three to five years left to live, 10 if I'm very, very lucky, which would allow me to see Oscar, my only son, graduate from high school. But I'm not that lucky, or I wouldn't have gotten ALS in the first place, right? Dr. Y lives in a big farm 50 miles away from the city, donated by an immensely grateful, immensely wealthy patient, as the legend goes and is known only by word of mouth. He has never appeared in the news. He's not listed in phone books, and there are no known photos of him. He's always said to cure anything with his unconventional and top-secret methods. It was difficult to get an appointment with the doctor. The waiting list is long, but thanks to some contacts, I got him to see me today. I drive all the way to his property, unbeknownst to my family, who thinks I'm at work work from which I'll soon be fired when it becomes evident that I'm not well. After a brief and consequential conversation over tea in his mansion's drawing room, a conversation that has nothing to do with the disease that afflicts me, Dr. Y, a short man of indefinable age and origin, finally addresses the matter that brings me here. Thank you for placing your trust in me, Mr. C. Your case is difficult, but I think I can help you. I suppose you have already been told that my methods are not those of conventional medicine. Although it may seem strange, I approach the treatment of my patients as a game. I provide the board, the rules, and all the pieces except for one, the most important one, which is the patient. He or she, following the simple rules that I give, has to move on the board and interact with the other pieces. If he does it with skill and intelligence, In the end, he will win the game and obtain his prize. The absolute restoration of his good health, which is something that, as many have told me, is their most valuable treasure. It's ironic that only disease makes us realize how valuable this treasure is. Don't you agree, Mr. C? I totally agree, Dr. Y. However, I'm not sure I understood what you said about the game. Don't worry. Everyone gets confused at the beginning, but soon you'll understand, and it's not as complicated as it seems. Let's go outside. 
He takes me to the vast expanse of land that surrounds his mansion. The ground is mostly flat and covered in grass, with some rocks and promontories here and there. In the distance, I notice a white, rectangular structure. A forest circumscribes everything, and behind it are the mountains. The sky today is an intense blue, dotted with a few clouds. Did you ever play hide-and-seek as a child, Mr. C? The doctor asks. Yes, I answer. But it was a long time ago, as you can imagine. And tag? Did you ever play tag? Yes, I also did. Okay. This is what you need to do, Mr. C. There are three persons hiding out here. All you have to do is find one of them and touch him or her. That's it. But please be aware that if you find one person and let her go without touching her, that opportunity is gone. You only have three chances to save yourself. Before you start looking, you need to close your eyes and count to 100, as in hide and seek. Is that it? Will I be cured just like that? Yes, that's it. But also keep in mind that, like in tag, you will pass the disease to the person that you touch. Good luck, Mr. C. We seal the deal with a handshake. The doctor leaves and I'm left alone in the immensity. I close my eyes and count to 100, feeling somewhat ridiculous. I open them, only to see the emptiness around me. Confused and with nothing better to do, I start wandering around. After a long time, I see something that looks like a long red skirt peeking out of the edge of a rock. I tiptoe towards it, trying to make as little noise as possible. The red skirt moves and a high-heeled woman comes from behind the rock and runs toward a nearby wooden forest. I chase her with all my might. She's wearing four-inch stilettos. I should be able to catch her. Just as I'm closing in on her, I trip on my own feet. It happens to me a lot these days and fall to the ground. The woman enters the woods and disappears among the trees. I get up, remove the dust from my hands and pants as best I can, and keep walking. About an hour goes by, and then I find an old man crouching behind a tree next to a hill. Once he realizes that I've seen him, he begins to climb laboriously up the hill, helping himself with a cane. I lose precious time as I trip, fall, and get up and trip, fall, and get up once more as I race behind him. I reach the top of the hill only a few seconds after the old man does, but there is no trace of him there. My armpits and my back are soaked with sweat. My shirt sticks to my body. The afternoon is closing in now. The landscape exhales a cool breeze, and I welcome it like a balm for my senses. Resigned and tired, I keep walking through the wasteland without purpose or direction. After a while, I arrive at the white rectangular structure that I had already noticed in the distance and begin to skirt one of its walls on the outside. At first glance, this structure does not seem to have windows or doors. As I turn the corner, I see a young man leaning against the wall, taking in the waning sun. This is my last opportunity. I walk very slowly towards him, but I make an involuntary noise, and he opens his eyes. Surprised, he quickly enters the building through a small door. Gathering some strength, I follow him. There are multiple paths and walls inside. I soon realize that this is a labyrinth. I can hear his steps. Guided by the sound, I try to locate his whereabouts. I'm systematic in my search. 
It takes me some time, but I finally manage to corral him into a corner. The young man is crouching on the floor, trembling and frightened like a besieged prey, almost crying. I approach him with an outstretched arm, and when I'm about to touch him, he lifts his face and looks into my eyes. He's older, a teenager, but I recognize the familiarity. The slim built, the reddish hair and light brown eyes, the freckled nose, the dimple in his chin, just like his mother's. Recoiling, I withdraw my hand as if it is about to get scorched by a flame. I press my back and arms hard against the wall and stand motionless, giving way to him. He gets up and walks in front of me, pressing his own back against the opposite wall since the passage is very narrow. We don't touch. We must not touch. He turns the corner and disappears. His quick, agile steps move through the nooks and crannies of the labyrinth. As I remain still, I hear Oscar running into the open, running towards freedom and towards life. That was The Chase by Ana Carolina Pereira. We're going to hear from her in a minute, but first we're going to hear what our fellow writers thought about it. And to start, we're going to go to James. Hello. I very much enjoyed this story for a couple of reasons, but there were definitely also a couple of things that I would have liked, that I I have questions about, or that I think could have been done uh, differently, or that I would have preferred, maybe. So the the number one thing that I really enjoyed about this story is I thought it was very, very gripping and kind of moved along at a real pace throughout the entire story, which for me is I don't like it when when I feel like a short story is really, really dragging, and I'm just like forcing myself through to get to the end. I felt like this consistently the whole way through was really moving along and everything that was in it was necessary for the plot and to moving that along. But that being said, one thing that I would have liked is that I thought there was like um, plenty of detail when it came to like what's happened and why he's going to see, why Mr. C is going to see Dr. Y. And I was really hooked into this premise of like um, this kind of weird, fantastical sort of game thing. And so I really would have liked to have seen like some some more time spent actually in the game. Because kind of you're it's almost too fast for me. Because you have him almost immediately, you know, he shakes hands and he counts, and then in one paragraph he's lost the per- first person, in the second paragraph he's lost the second person. And like because this is life or death, I would have liked to have seen that drawn out a little bit more to have more tension of is he gonna because you kind of know that he's not going to get either of the first two people already, but you still could have, I felt, drawn that out to add to the tension and to ramp it really as high as possible for the third encounter, which I think then would add to kind of the dramatic weight of the decision to be made at the end. But touching on that a little more, I also thought that the ending was like a a little predictable to an extent in the fact that I felt like for sure, like, you know that he's not going to, with either of the first two, that he's not going to catch them. And then I, I'd i be curious to hear from the others if they had the same feeling, but I felt very strongly that the third person was going to be connected to him in some way as I was reading. And so for me, I don't know, it just felt a little bit too predictable for the fact that it was uh, his son that was the third person in that scenario. And so... I don't know, I'd be curious as to know, like, why you decided to make it the song. Was it just because of, like, the need to have, like, really high 
stakes decision to make at the end there. And I feel like he could almost, I almost would have, I mean, I, I, you know, I know it's his son, but like equally he's choosing to die. And I would have liked to have seen like maybe a little bit more conflict um, within him rather than kind of instantly making the decision, especially if uh, he hasn't seen him for so long. So he's older, but I recognize the familiarity. So he's not seen him for a long time. And so he's actively making the choice to die to save this son who he hasn't seen for years. Maybe it's because I have no kids, but like to me, I would have, I would imagine that you would have slightly more conflict in that scenario. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Maybe it's the bad person. Who knows? The last thing I would have liked, but I'm just curious about before I wrap up my questions is why no names? So why Dr. Y and Mr. C? I'm just curious about that um, until Oscar is named. But yeah, that's me. Okay, one more. Let's hear your thoughts. Okay, thank you. There's one thing that I had a, a little problem with. It was the timeline. Because at the beginning of the story, it seems that the character is receiving the news in the present. That's when he remembers Dr. Y. But after that, that looks like a sort of flashback. Uh, but then the narrator tells us it was difficult to get an appointment with the doctor. The waiting list is done, but thanks to some contrast, I got him to see him to see me today. When is that today? I mean, I I got quite conflicted with the timeline. I didn't know if we were talking about the past or if we were in the present. And also, I think that it was like too easy for him to get the appointment. Like everything just the universe conspired for him to get the appointment because. Okay, it's way too difficult to get the, uh, this this meeting with with the the appointment with the doctor. But thanks to some contacts, it happened. But how? I mean, like, and and also there's the time map, the timeline thing that I mentioned. How long did it take to to that to do that? One week, two weeks, or how did he get to really get the contact? Maybe you can mention a little bit, I had this friend or he had that friend that knew Dr. Y because this or that. I also thought that, okay, he he finally goes to see the doctor and is in this strange place like this farm or whatever. So at, at some point when, when the doctor explains the rules of the game to preserve his life, I said, could it be that this guy is delusional and he's just in lying, waiting for death, and he's imagining all this crazy world? That would be one question. And I think that I like that the story may point out that it's about coming to terms with death, like embracing death, like at some point you have to accept it. There's no way around. I really like what James said, that it has a really good pace, and when you want this guy, even though that we don't know too much about him, to get cured. But he, when he's, for example, when he's chasing the woman in the stilettos, you say, oh, he's going to catch her because the woman is running like in the woods in the stilettos. He's going to catch her. So I like that, like that. You don't fulfill your expectations as a reader. I, I like that when the story is done, don't turn the way you want them to. Okay, uh, at the end, at the, 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 the last character he meets is Oscar. So 
Yeah, I, I say, was it, was it his son or was a younger version of himself that I, I, I don't know? It, it could be a, a possibility that that is not his son, but a, a younger version of himself. Or... Okay, my turn. I like the idea of the story. I like the construct and the concept, but I think it's, it's a story about choices and one big choice that the, that the, the narrator has to make. And I think there's a lot of opportunities to give more weight to that choice to just as difficult it would be. One while you touched on a couple of them, just by luck, I got an appointment with the mysterious doctor who has no phone number and it's impossible to reach. We don't really know a lot about the narrator. We don't know what his values are. If this is going to be a story about the choices or the one big choice he has to make, we're not sure what his value system is or what kind of person he is. Again, I think there's an opportunity to make Dr. Y just to give more description of what his clinic or his farm looks like or what he looks like. Because like what James was saying, if you're going to go through these three people, you, I think you want to add increasing tension at every person that he misses. So I think if you were, if you were to spend more time chasing or the chase of the, one, the first person and then more time at, with the second person and just build them out more, then I think there's an opportunity to really just add some more weight and some more texture and detail to, to what, we, what we know is coming. And I think it's okay if we know what's coming because you can foreshadow the choice that he's going to have to make. You've just got a lot of opportunities here to add some more to it. So I love the concept. I think if you went back and thought a bit more about some of the techniques to add weight and dimension to the characters and the setting, then I think you'd have something that was really, really gripping. As for the lack of character names, except for Oscar, well, you know my stance on naming characters. I think I wouldn't name them. I wouldn't name any character if I had to, so I'm very much fine with that. So <laughs> over to Carolina. Okay, thank you. Yes, actually, this uh, this was an exercise that we uh, did for for the group. So actually, initially, it was much um, shorter, and uh, I actually made it longer. So I, I actually added more more things to it. But yeah, but I agree. I can add even more more things to the actual chases. The first two that he misses, uh, yeah, I could I could do that, you know, because of the type of story that I wrote in the beginning, it was supposed to be like a 500-word story. So I I still like it that uh, like uh, like it as a short story. For some reason, I don't feel like I want to add too much. It's a little bit like a parable, you know. That's in part why I don't name the to the doctor and Mr. C. Mm -hmm. Because of the type of story, I, I don't think I want to do that too much because it is not, it's a parable. And, and the parable, you know, this type of parable to me should be short and probably not give too much insight about the background of the characters, uh, but just kind of sketch, you know. Why? Because it could be any of us. So, yeah, that's why I didn't want to give too much uh, background. Because it could be any of us. Okay. Yeah, so. If you want to keep it as a parable, which is which is fine, that a parable has to tell a lesson or teach a lesson, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the parable or the, the fable. And I, I don't know if if a lesson comes out 
quite as strongly as it could here. If it's a be careful what you wish for story or... It is, let's say, in a way, a Kafkaian parable. Kafka wrote in, in many of his stories as parables, but, mm -hmm. you know, in the, the form, but why are the lessons to be drawn from Kafka? It's never clear. <laughs> it's Kafka, best not to be him. Kafka is never, yeah, I mean, it is dark, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to do this kind of yeah. thing, like a dark, uh, you know, in, in, in the style or in, in some uh, way of telling it, you know, in the way that the characters are kind of sketched, the, the, the I don't say where it happens, mm -hmm. you know, I give some description of, of the place, but I don't want to be too much either because, again, it's the same type of uh, way of telling a story. So, yeah, but it, it is more like, not like a religious parable, but it's more like a Kafkaian parable okay. where there is no... Uh, Right answer. Which is why we have Dr. Y and Mr. C. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, in part. Yeah. Almost like, uh, in terms of, like, as a parable, a parable even, I think like an interesting concept to think about or to consider in terms of the ending would be if he did catch Oscar, mm -hmm. but only saw afterwards. So if, you know, he caught him from behind and touched him, mm -hmm. and then he turns around and he sees who it is. Because I think that that would kind of add, like, an additional, like, moral dimension. Yeah, the big reveal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, because one thing that kind of noted me as we were talking about it, and I think touching on what Delaney mentioned and Juan as well, is kind of, he doesn't really seem to, I mean, I know that you were talking about kind of the desperation that people have when they're with a chronic illness and everything. But even then, he doesn't even seem to really consider this the consequence of the fact that he's giving a death sentence to someone mm -hmm. by touching them. So for that, it almost seems that it would, I don't know, be on some level kind of satisfying if there's a bad out. Whereas for him, he kind of, he chooses immediately to condemn someone to death by participating in the game. But then there's no real consequence for him because he sees his son and he's able to kind of save his son from being the one that he touches. So I just think that might be an interesting idea to consider if you're working on this. Or, or at some, at some point, I thought that when he finally doesn't get the first two characters and then he lets Oscar escape, I thought that what about if he encounters Doctor Y again and he cures him for his courage? I mean, for not having having the courage of not touching anyone to pass death to that person. I thought that, that it also could work. That to me would be like the religious part, <laughs> you know, the, the one that I don't want to, to yeah. make. Uh, which is an interesting idea, of course, but that would be like, okay, so good. Yeah, you, want, you want it to be like dark. And, yeah, I, and I definitely. like open ending. And... Uh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but I mean, that would be like what, in a way, what the traditional parable were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it, there are two options there. You know, either he sees before he touches Oscar that it is his son and he lets him go, or what you say, uh, James, which is like he touches him, and you know that is also an interesting option. Yeah. yeah. And there was one other thing that I was just curious about whether or not it has any significance or not. But why kind of this woman in the red dress with the stilettos and the old man, or were those just going to be images that came to your head while you were writing? Yeah, I, I wanted to, well, perhaps people who seem easy to to, to catch, uh, you know. So mm -hmm. the woman is wearing high heels. In a way, the woman could be like 
metaphor for the red riding hood you know she mm -hmm. was wearing red and, you know she gets into the woods you mm -hmm. know uh, but the woods save her <laughs> mm -hmm. so uh, yeah the old man didn't have a, a particular uh, that would be like but i didn't want the character the main character to to have these uh, thoughts but it's kind of obvious to be for the reader okay this is an old man so he's gonna probably die soon and Thank you very much. That unfortunately that is time. The bell, we have to obey the sound of the bell. That wraps it up for another episode of the Bogota Writers Group Podcast. If you've liked what you've heard and want to read more, you can check us out on Amazon, where two collections of short stories are available, Voices of Bogota in its second printing, or Authors from Authors. Or if you'd like to learn more about us, be sure to look us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My name is Delaney Turner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. You're listening to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast.